from the 2023 NFL Combine, this is Patriots Unfiltered. All right, it's Saturday here in Indianapolis, and we are putting a final wrap on the NFL Scouting Combine. We've been here all week. It's Mike Dussault. It's Evan Lazar, Patriots.com. By now, you should know that because we've been pumping out podcasts, videos, and written material like you wouldn't believe. It's been awesome. Uh, Evan, how are you feeling? First off, let's just get a wellness check on you. Uh, are you overwhelmed right now or what? <laughs> this morning, I, I was. it was a little tough getting out of bed. You guys were texting me that I was a little late to our to our breakfast powwow and I had to meet you at, at the Starbucks across the street instead. Obviously everything went fine. No 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 worse for the wear, but it's it's been a long week. It's been an awesome week. I'm not trying to look I, I hate oh, complaining that's about all this. Of us. Hey, we're working I, I hard but we love it. Like, oh, I had to go to the combine for a week. It's terrible. <laughs> no, of course not, but uh, yeah, it's a grind. It, it is. is. I mean, we've got so much information coming in and it's it's great because it's as much as we turned out a lot of content this week, we also feel like this is just going to inform everything that we do over the next couple months and you know guys when they are drafted we've talked to these guys we've seen them you know you don't not we don't know them but um, you just have such a much better sense of of the prospects and this draft class and it's been a great week we're going to start off here at the top just with the offensive line and the running backs who went today here on Saturday for the final day um, clearly a huge need Evan for for the Patriots at, at tackle um, you know we don't really know what's going on with Trent Brown the fact that he's played both left and right in New England kind of leaves some confusion as right. to well what exactly do they need um, they did you know resign Connor McDermott I think we're all you know thinking that's a not a three four a depth, off, signing. Off depth signing thank you um, but overall there's a lot of really good guys here starting with Peter Skaronsky who kind of kicked things off today uh, a lot to like about him yeah he, I always go back to the three-year starter thing with him and the technique. He's just so technically sound, comes from football lineage with his grandfather playing for the Lombardi Packers, a three-year starter at Northwestern in a power conference, and just his technique, his ability to see moving parts and diagnose rush schemes, blitzes, stunts, like things like that. There's just so much polish to his game. It's, it's really hard other than the physical stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a second, but it's really hard to find a flaw in Peter Skaronsky's film. He's great out of the stance. He's got great footwork. He's got great hand technique, great awareness and eyes and pass pro. Like, there's just no flaws to his game. The flaw is, is something that's trivial and kind of silly, and that's that he's got a little bit shorter arms. And look, when he was standing up there, he's not one of these hulking giant giant left tackle prospects he's not a uh, we didn't get to see him today but he's not Dewan Jones he's not Darnell Wright he's not Broderick Jones he was this big barrel chested guy standing up there he is a little bit built like a guard I I get it I get it but I think that he's going to play in the league for a very very long time yeah whether and if he does have to move into guard I mean and that's not what the Patriots want with on when you and strange there but it's a guy that you know you, it, I don't want to say he's a can't miss maybe he is a miss potential miss at tackle um but he's not going to be able. He's not going to miss if he moves inside. Yeah, and just I, one more thing about yeah. it too, because this bothers me. It bugs me that we talk about this kind of stuff so much. Like with Bryce Young too, right? Yep. Like, oh god. So, is he five nine? Is he five ten? Does it really matter? He can play football, right? And with uh, Peter Skaronsky too, I, I just want to say this is no offense, but this is not Isaiah Wynn. Okay, this is not a six foot two offensive lineman. This is a guy that's going to measure in at six four. 310 with maybe 32 and an eighth inch arms instead of 33. Like, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a guy like Wynn who was severely undersized in ev for an offensive lineman, period. Tackle, guard, center, didn't matter. Yeah. He's just undersized. That Peter Skronsky just has a little bit shorter arms. It's, 
Yeah, so. and, the, and the kid can play football, and you know the Patriots are probably one of those teams that can appreciate, hey, this guy's a baller, he doesn't have the longest arms, not a big deal. Um, but it's hard not to look at, you mentioned Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson got up there today, and those guys do have that look. And they're not as experienced as Skaronsky. They only you know, have a year each at left tackle. But when you look at the measurables, that's what they're going to check. So you know, you can see where we're kind of at, not to mention that there's some later later round guys. You know, I, mean, yeah. I don't want to say later round. I mean, I'm saying day mid-round. two guys, yeah. mid-round guys, um, you know, that still could potentially come in and, you know, if they leave Trent Brown at left tackle, maybe you do just draft a right tackle and bring a guy in uh, and then worry about left tackle next year. But just so many guys, I think there's, a, you know, probably six, seven guys that I looked at today that said, wow, these guys sound right, they look right, and they would be great fits for what the Patriots do. Yeah, Paris Johnson, that guy is just like built in a lab to play left tackle, yep. just has that athletic but still offensive lineman big type of body type i think he said that he he slimmed down maybe just a little bit so he would run faster in the 40 but in general he you just look at guys that are just you know built for it you know you printed him out and he's just a left tackle i I just felt like he was the one the most uh in terms of his body composition looked the part the most Uh, i'd also want to mention anton harrison Uh, i feel like i need to mention him more and more and more because he's getting he's flying a little bit under the radar i would say compared to that consensus top three of skaronsky jones and johnson i think anton harrison is right there with them as a I would almost call it a big four at this yeah. point, maybe even a big five with Darnell, Darnell Wright, Wright, who I think is mention. extremely yep. impressive too. But uh, Anton Harrison is a true pure left tackle. He has excellent feet and athleticism, can get out and block and get out to landmarks and pass protection. Uh, he's a pure left tackle as well that the Patriots could be interested in. I'm glad you brought him up. And then, of course, Tyler Steen from Alabama was uh, someone that we had. Uh, we had Jordan Reed on from ESPN, uh, which you guys can listen to at the end here. Nice 15 minutes with with him um, great stuff just about the overall draft Patriot specific as well um, but he was a guy Tyler Steen from Alabama which I know I, I think he was in your first mock draft yes um, was a guy that we had as you know maybe might have to move inside but again seems like a really good fit versatility is, is solid although I you know I find myself at this point with the tackles it's like we don't need him to be versatile I just want him to be able to play tackle like, right. you know but still he seems like a guy played for Bill O'Brien you spoke with him today yeah he, he seemed to really like playing for Bill O'Brien had some really good things to say I'll write it up and and you guys can read the quotes on Patriots com nice tease there huh that was seamless i'm gonna tease something else anyways uh with steen i think what i like about steen this is what i did in my first mock draft and that was i took skronsky in the first round and then i double dipped with steen in the fourth round i think what you do there is that he has some versatility to play inside or outside so whether you need him at guard or you need him at tackle i think he can play as a swing position player that maybe is a four position player for you at the next level and if you're yeah you're looking for the starter they need that at the top of the draft but in the middle rounds if they want to grab a guy like Steen who can play guard or tackle and give you that backup versatility those are such valuable players because somebody's going to get hurt I hate that but somebody's going to get hurt and if it's a guard that gets hurt or it's a tackle that gets hurt, now you have a really solid backup for both positions. Well, I mean, just look at the end of last year. I mean, you had you had to go get Connor McDermott off of the Jets practice squad, you know, to play for your right tackle because of injuries. So it's it's certainly a thing to, to consider. You look at Michael Onwenu, he's going to be a free agent next year. You right. know, do they want to pay Cole Strange and his upcoming, you know, down the road fifth-year option? It's it's just a lot of money to lock up into guards, and it's not hard to see them saying, love you, Michael Onwenu, but maybe you can get a guy this year in the interior. So maybe that's a little bit of a position or, 
or idea that's under the radar. Uh, let's talk running backs, Ev. I know neither yes. one of us is, uh, you know, too overly overly high on the, uh, any of these guys, but we do think, like, there's always an option. Where's that James White type? Where's that Kevin Falk type? We've been looking for him. You know, Pierre Strong, he doesn't really look like that guy. I mean, I know that he can catch the ball a little bit, and, you know, maybe there's some expectation that he can come in and be the third down back. Um, but I do think that both of our radars are up on these third down back types and you know whether it's Ty J Spears who's you know just super electric um, you know Kenny McIntosh from Georgia another one who you know is kind of fits that mold there's a few of these guys in this draft that, that maybe could fit Deuce Deuce Vaughn <laughs> oh there we go I was like what what I do did I mess something up did I say something wrong because of course we've been here about eight days so I feel like I could have but Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State he he used two guys that he one guy that he studies on film now because this other guy's retired, uh, but a lot of the comparisons that you get from for Deuce Vaughn from K State is, is Darren Sproles, and he's got uh, he's not tall. He's going to be like five six, uh, so he's going to be smaller. I understand that some people might hear that and think JJ Taylor, but I think that he's more electric than JJ Taylor. I think he's quicker, faster, stronger uh, than JJ Taylor is, and he's got that electric big playability and change of direction if you want to get sold on him i know they didn't win the game but the bowl game the sugar bowl against alabama he housed one from like 65 yards out against alabama's defense and he's just shot out of an absolute cannon he's got some return ability i know that marcus jones kind of has that on lock but uh, just a, another area that he could maybe contribute but him and i spoke uh, a little bit about what he uh, said that kansas state called their fresno route which is just a full backfield option route and he said that he has the basically just get open right mm -hmm. whether it's man or zone he has basically the entire freedom to just get open now obviously there's rules within those parameters based off of leverage man coverage zone coverage whatever but those are the types of routes that you look at from a patriots perspective and uh, those are the james whites the shane vereens the danny woodheads the kevin Falks. those are their routes right that's what they ran out of the backfield or those little mm -hmm. angles or options and i think deuce Vaughn can take it get open at the top of the route and then I think this guy can go so you're gonna have a little bit of yak ability there as well I really liked him I think he's an impressive kid and I think the Patriots will be interested I think there's only room for one deuce here at, uh, Patriot, at the Patriots but we'll <laughs> I see I love how we've been we were so tired and been here for so long when I made the deuce joke you I, had no idea no, I, thought, I thought I just really I thought I said something wrong and you were like that was last year's running back and I'm like what I, I'm totally fried um all right so that that's kind of it for the position group so we're going to just get into a little bit of a general recap here and of course we've been here since monday we saw all the coaches and gms and we've been you know talking to people here we've had some great podcast guests um again as i said at the top you know it's just great to put a face to a name really be in person with these guys and, and just get a sense of their size i love that today with the offensive linemen um the big takeaway for me though is the cornerback class yeah. and i think they stood out with their testing they stood out at the podiums it's a big need for the patriots and and let's let's as we do on this podcast, Evan, we like to digress a little bit sometimes and, you know, connect it to the bigger picture for the Patriots. But bring up a point I brought on, on one of the podcasts earlier in the week was 60 sacks last year, 22nd on third down defense. You know, what is it? And, and I think Evan and I both kind of get down to it's the cornerbacks. They need, you know, better coverage. You need that kind of lockdown guy when you go up against so many of these teams have that number one target. And not to say that, all right, well, you need a guy that you're just going to have him follow him all over the field and take him out of the game. That's unrealistic. But I think you need that alpha dog, which they kind of lacked. And, and no disrespect to Jonathan Jones, who I think is an outstanding player and, and I would love to have back. Um, but I just think you look at the last 10 years of the Patriots, when have they been at their best? They've been at their best when they had Aqib Tlaib and Darrell Revis and Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson and, you know, those kind of guys. And and I know that there are different ways to, to get those guys, and, and a large majority of them were free agent picks. Um, 
but I like what the Patriots do with cornerbacks. I think they have an eye for cornerbacks. I think they can coach cornerbacks. So the theme that we've been going, and, 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 our, and Jordan Reed, our, our guest, said the same thing I did. He's like, let's double dip for the right. Patriots on the cornerback class. It's outstanding, and, and a lot of guys made great impressions this week. This cornerback class goes on for days. Like, if I'm going to sit here and list the amount of corners that could go in the top 100, we're going to be here for a while, so I won't bore people with it. But I'll just point out a few of the other guys that really stood out to me. Look, I, Christian Gonzalez is ridiculous. Like, that guy's going in the top 10. I wish he could go to the Patriots at 14, but I don't think he's making it to 14. Uh, Wad, his athletic testing was superb. I mean, 438, 40-inch vertical at 6'1", 200 pounds. I mean, get out of here forget it but then you talk about the drills on the field i mean so smooth just so quick at w drills and things like that it just it was impressive to watch him out there and i understand that uh, there's maybe a, a feeling uh, around here that there isn't like a sauce gardener or, or one of these like you know lock number one corner types but i think christian gonzalez is pretty darn close and then i think joey porter jr has the makeup of a number one corner and maybe could get there uh, it was certain parameters you know matchups and things like that being specific to him he's not going to cover come into the league and cover Tyreek Hill, uh, but he might come into the league and, and cover T. Higgins, right, or Jamar Chase or something like that. That's a little bit more of a bigger receiver. So I think that those two guys are going to go quickly. We didn't really see much or hear much from Witherspoon this week, unfortunately, yeah. uh, but I, I think that he's somebody that's obviously in that top 10 mix as well. Uh, but you really start to think about is it the best use of the 14th pick with how deep this cornerback class is and the fact that they are bringing back the Joneses, the rookie Joneses, I should say, yeah. Probably going to make a pretty run at John, a good run at Jonathan Jones. Another Jones to bring him back, and then you still have Jalen Mills under contract. I know that some people have floated Mills as a potential cap casualty, but I think in reality, you look at the depth chart. That's four guys that are contributors or maybe even starters for you that you're returning uh, to this team. So what I get caught up in is sort of the next thing. And when I talked to Matt Groa in the interview I did with him this week, uh, he said it's important to have balance at a position like that. And it's body types. It's building your basketball team, right? Yeah, you have matchups. a bunch of point guards. You need some centers, right? <laughs> and I, I think that that's where I would like to see the Patriots go with it next is not necessarily needing uh, to target that, that pick at the 14th overall as a corner, uh, but maybe 46 turns into a corner pick. And maybe you trade up a little bit and do what they did with Christian Barmore to get a Deontay Banks, a Kame Smith, an Emmanuel Forbes, somebody like yeah. that who's got some size, some length, some outside cornerback ability, but still has that athleticism that maybe they could develop into a number one corner and has that upside because I think this cornerback class is so deep uh, that some of these guys might be end of the first round, early second round, but they're still going to have insane upside because the athleticism is just off the charts. You know, Julius Brent's another one from Kansas State who I've really liked all week. Uh, he's somebody that I, I think has that type of upside too so it's a really great cornerback class and the great thing about it for the Patriots is that there are a number of those body types there are a number of 6-1 type corners where you can get some size yeah Kemp Smith was another one that, that made an impression on me I think he had said a pretty intense interview uh, with the Patriots a couple, couple other things just to point out you mentioned Emmanuel Forbes who you know ran fast but didn't didn't really weigh that much so yeah. you know something to consider one other um thing I wanted to bring up to discuss we haven't even talked about it yet was just Brian Branch and, and I mean we were even yeah. talking last night about you know what's he going to run he's with the cornerback group I mean I think all of us have just been talking about him like he's going to be a strong safety like there's no question he can play in the box he was you know technically a slot corner but you know that's kind of the Kyle Duggar thing and that's you know the role you kind of see him in I mean how surprised were you by the number that he put up and what do you think that does to his draft status because some people have him still going in the first round and he's one of those guys as we talk about Skaronsky 
he's a football player. Like yeah. he just sees the game. He's physical. He knows how to make plays. So it's it's another one of those things where here's a measurable, but the guy can play. He's got top twenty film in the class. He does, but unfortunately, when you come to this whole evaluation process, it's it's not just about the film. It's ninety nine percent about the film. But when you have these types of outliers, and you have a a guy that ran in the four fives at a at a defensive back position, it's a little bit worrisome. And I would just say this entire safety class was slow. I mean, they didn't run very well in this entire class. And I think a lot of these guys are these bigger box safeties. You know, Jordan Battles and Jair Brown. They want to go get the quarterback. Yeah, they, uh, Antonio Johnson from A and M. Like these guys are big guys they're not they're not Devin McCourty's they're not you know uh, I don't want to use Ed Reed but you know what I'm trying to say they're oh, not these careful I like the, that Ed the, Reed. they're not these free safety types is my point they're not these center fielders these deep part of the field players but I think Brian Branch could be that and with that 40 time he's playing safety in the league you don't play corner I don't slot outside I don't care with mid four fives at six feet 190 like you just don't so he's going to play the back end and I I still like him in so he's a little bit slower than Devin was coming out but converting from corner in college or slot corner in college to back end of the of the field safety deep middle safety I think that that is something that's in his future that that could go well. But honestly, with the athletic testing yesterday, I don't think he's a first-round pick anymore. Yeah. I think he's going to fall into the second round, maybe be this draft's Nicobe Dean or something like that where we all had him up really high. Athletic testing knocks him down to the second round. That's what happens here in Indianapolis when you got to get up, uh, put the scale on, get yeah. the weights going, get the running going. Uh, other position group, of course. We talked to tackles at the top. We talked cornerbacks. The big three, we've been talking about them all week. The needs, wide receivers, we you know got to see them yesterday. They're going to run today, and unfortunately, we're recording this before we get those times. But you know, I feel like it's going to be more of, oh, he just ran a four three. He's up in the first round. Oh, he ran a four three. He's right. in the four. You know, there's going to be a lot of speed. Um, I'm not as impressed with the top, the top of the draft guys, and I think we can have you know some kind of talk about where does a Flowers land, given his size. He's gotten put on some weight, um, but dynamic. We saw Jordan Addison's weight roll in. He's a little bit light as well. Um, just not a great wide receiver class, and, and it's hard because you know the Patriots want that number one target. However, coming out of the combine this week, it feels like they're going to have to be very targeted, maybe day two. I don't want to say day three because it's hard to really – take a guy in day three and expect to get something out of immediately but I think they're gonna have to be really really uh, put these guys under the microscope and try to find a day two guy that can bring something to them in the middle of the field absolutely I think the main thing with this wide receiver class is that you have some types right you have some different types of receivers inside receivers are more plentiful I would say than the outside guys Uh, but but all these guys are really really good at one thing but they have some flaws in in their game and none of them are true I I don't think any of these guys are going to be true number ones in the league I I don't but they might be uh, really good one B's or really good twos right or really good players in a very specific role in an offense and that's sort of where I'm going with this with Zay Flowers. I'll throw Addison in there as a yeah. slot guy. Uh, but really on day two, guys like Josh Downs, Tank Dell, like some of those Jim guys. Reed, yeah. yeah, I think they can play in the slot that have that quick twitch, that jitterbug type of skill set to them that can get in and out of breaks and create separation. So in some places, you know, those guys are not thousand yard receivers but in new england and bill o'brien's offense with a pocket quarterback like mac jones is going to want to get the ball out of his hands quickly it's Wes welker it's julian edelman like i think that those guys can be uh, the patriots version of that and i think you couple that with the fact that there's a very good chance 
that they lose Jacoby Myers in free agency, and you're going to need to replace that inside receiver in your offense with something. So I'm not I'm not bullish on this class. I haven't been uh, this whole time, uh, but I I will say that I do think that you have uh, some really intriguing inside receivers, slot receivers, Z receivers that can come in and play that role at a high level and be a really good player within the framework of the system. Maybe not a game changer, but somebody that's going to be really good at what they're asked to do. Well, that feeds into my next position, and that's tight end. And, and you said playmakers. We're trying to get away from calling things weapons. We're not going to playmakers. I like that. I'm going to say playmakers. Um, it seems like that might be a different way to go. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying 14th overall, but there certainly are a number of, of maybe a little bit higher ender, uh, higher ender. Is that a word here? Sorry, again, it's Saturday. But a little bit more high end guys, maybe is that F tight end that can move around. I mean, I don't think they're going to go for, you know, a Dalton Kincaid or, or, you know, Luke Musgrave, someone like that. But I do think that this is an intriguing tight end class if you are looking in the right places. It's, it's, it's maybe not top heavy. Um, but there's some good depth in there. And I think that this is a position maybe where you can get the guys behind John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, get that next generation of guy to develop behind them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you, you talk to people about this draft corner obviously stands out, but I think most people think the tight end class is the best, the best group in the draft. Michael Mayer is going to be the first round pick. I think Kincaid, Musgrave, I think they have a chance to go end of first round or maybe like that Dallas Goddard range, which was like the mid-30s, low-30s, something like that, at the top of the second round. I think that that's where you're going to see those guys come off the board. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of them. Tucker Craft, Laporta, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think it goes on and on and on. Uh, I, I can't remember the the other guy that I'm thinking of. But, Latu? Uh, uh, well, obviously Latu, yeah. you know. I like a Latu. Uh, but, uh, you uh, like him a Latu. <laughs> Sorry. Again, we're punchy here. <laughs> as our producer, sh- as Bradley shakes his head, and well, that's it's only a single uh, face this palm, which is, is which is pretty sh- like good. It's shutting down around us. Hey, like let's and let's give a shout out to the, uh, the Lions over the Lions here. Are, the Lions and the Patriots. The, we are the, the last men standing here. We're the only ones who really care. They're, they're uh, about they're they're about to shut the lights <laughs> off on us in here. They're about to kick us out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's too funny. But yeah, we. I like this tight end class. There's a lot of good tight ends in this class. I I, I do gravitate a little bit towards Mayer as a as a first round option. I just want Patriots fans. To, and I'm talking to you, Alex Barth, because he doesn't. He, me and him argued about this the other day after I told him how impressive Mayer was at the podium. I, I want Patriots fans to remember what it was like in 2011 when Rob Gronkowski was dunking on the league and Aaron Hernandez was yeah. dunking on the league. You can build an offense through a, a dynamic tight end. It didn't necessarily work out with the 2021 guys. I get it. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith didn't pan out at that level. But if you get a guy like Mayer, or if you think that a guy like Kincaid is that move Travis Kelsey type yeah. of tight end, then it's doable. It's definitely doable to build your offense that way, and we want them to dominate in the middle of the field with a quarterback like Mac Jones. And may, maybe Maybe it's a tight end like be open-minded to that because I, I i don't want people to think about well we don't need a tight end because we have two tight ends but you don't have two game changers at that position you have two fine tight ends yeah you know i think hunter henry is a starting caliber tight end i think johnny smith is a fine piece in in your offense i i think mayor is got the potential to be 
Jason Witten, uh, you know, this one yeah. of these guys that's a 10-year, 1,000-yard receiver. They don't have that guy. Yeah, he yeah, sure had a presence about him. All right, well, we're going to put a put a bow on this in a second, but first we want to take you to Jordan Reed, who we talked to. Uh, was awesome. He's from ESPN. He's like the next coming of you have next you know, McShay. Every, everyone knows Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. They're the big two in ESPN. And, and I mean, talk about Mel Kuyper's been doing this stuff since probably anyone who's here uh, wasn't even into it. Um, so he's kind of the next guy in that. In that. So we're hoping we're establishing a long-term relationship with him. Uh, he had a great, great interview, provided a lot of insight. You can check that out right here. All right, we're excited now to be joined by Jordan Reed from ESPN. I, I want to call him a friend of the program because he's friends with Tamara Brown, of course, <laughs> of Pages and Filter. Not, maybe not yet, but hopefully by the end of this podcast, we'll call him a friend of the program. But Jordan, uh, you're here with us on Saturday. It's just the uh, the final cruise here, like, you know, the, 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 just the, the diehards, the diehards yeah. getting the offensive linemen and, and running back. So thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, just how, how was your combine week so far? Well, it's good. You know, it's like Christmas Day for me, just leading up to everything. And this is the fun part, right? Getting to figure out these prospects, getting to meet them in person for the first time. You're watching something. So much film and I kind of compare it to buying a car you're scrolling online you see cars that you like you see the exterior but now this is where we get to see the interior the console do we like the steering wheel we actually get to test drive the car too so this is the fun part of the process because I have to you know cover the Patriots and we have NFL football in the fall mm-hmm. I, I only like moonlight as a as a draft guy right I come in in like January yeah. when the Patriots season ends and and try to play catch-up so I, I'm curious about your process though yeah. because you are a full-time draft mm-hmm. guy what, how does it start you know where what do you kind of focus on in the fall season and how does it go from there so I'll say the month after the draft end so May I take the whole month of May off that's where I just re-energize the battery get everything, spend some family time. But once June hits, that's where we start to compile a list of everything. And there's two programs in the NFL where they combine a list of underclassmen and also seniors. So that's your first list of what are what is called draft eligible guys. So your juniors are guys that are three years removed from high school. So you're going through that list and what I do is I break it down by position. That's how I develop my film list, just because these are the guys that we potentially could be talking about in 2024, and I go through all the seniors first, just because I know that these are the guys that are going to be at the East-West Shrine game, they're going to be at the Senior Bowl. Then after that, I get into your bigger name underclassmen, and then it's just a collision course from there, watching hours and hours of tape, and then during the season, every weekend, I do what's called live scouting. So I'm traveling to games, and I'm based in Charlotte, so... I stay in the southeast for the most part, so I'm right in the middle of the SEC, the ACC, and schools like that. So most of the big-time prospects are right in my area, and seeing those guys throughout the year and up in press box and rubbing elbows with a bunch of scouts. So that's what the fall and spring really consist of for me. You know, I mean, it must, I know you're with the countdown. The true countdown is to the draft, but of course, this yeah. combine week is just—I mean, this everybody who's anybody is here. It's you know, you get every one of the guys. Uh, just overall, before we get into the Patriots, just your general thoughts on, on kind of this class and if anything stood out to you this week, maybe that you weren't expecting. Having—I know you've done so much work on these guys already, but mm-hmm. you get here, you finally get to see them, talk to them. Anything that maybe changed your mind or, or changed your perspective a little bit? Uh, not necessarily changed my mind. Um, I don't think this class is very strong at the top as far as guys that can come in and be immediate contributors. Like there's no Aiden Hutchinson, there's no Sauce Gardner. I don't think there's any guys like that. But if you're looking to build depth at certain positions, I think rounds two through four, there's plenty of guys to build depth in this draft class. So and that's not a knock on this class at all. It's just it's just different phases as far as how you're trying to build a team. But if you're looking for an instant impact type of guy, there's going to be some challenges with finding that guy. There's not any. There's no such thing as a safe or surefire player. But you can kind of know that 
a Sauce Gardner or, you know, Aiden Hudson, those guys are going to step in and be ready right away. I just don't see a whole bunch of players at the top in this class like that. I'm glad you said that, actually, because my whole take on the wide receivers, everybody in New England wants a wide receiver, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. And my whole take on the wide receivers is that I'm just not in love with any of the receivers in this draft. I don't mm -hmm. think that there is a Justin Jefferson or a Devontae Smith or somebody yeah. that did fall a little bit, wasn't a top five Calvin Johnson mm -hmm. type of guy. And people in New England, they love Jordan Addison. They love Zay Flowers. They love Quentin Johnston. Yeah. What do you think of those guys at 14 for the Patriots? Because to be honest with you, you need to convince me a little bit yeah. because I'm yeah. not 110% sold. Well, I will say this. We've been really spoiled with really good wide receiver classes over the past three or four years. So the mindset from a media perspective and fan perspective is going to be a little bit different just because you're seeing guys like Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, these guys come in and have instant impact uh, type of contrib contributions on their team. So you really expect that going forward from every wide receiver class. And right. I think you're spot on as far as with this class. There's no bona fide wide receiver one that's going to step in and be a superstar. There's no Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, like you said. But if you're looking for a complimentary option as a number two, I think this is a really good class. Like Jordan Addison, I think you can step in and be a Calvin Ridley type. Quentin Johnston can step in and be a T. Higgins type of player. So there's no bona fide superstar that's coming into the league. But if you're looking for a complimentary option that eventually could get to that point, I think this is a good class for that. I really liked your car uh, metaphor earlier because I, I made a similar metaphor for t for offensive linemen. I, yeah. I've said in the past, it's like buying tires for your car. Yeah. Like nobody wants to buy tires mm -hmm. for your car. There's nothing sexy about tires, but if you don't have tires, you're not going to go anywhere. We got to look at some of these guys today. Mm -hmm. Peter Skaronsky's one that a lot of you know Patriots fans are looking at. The arm length is you know the question. He's a three-year starter. Uh, then Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright. That's the other big need. I feel like cornerback, which, which we'll get to, I'm sure, wide receiver and, yeah. and, and offensive tackle are the big needs. How do you see that kind of playing out, uh, you know, with Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson being a little bit less experienced but have all the measurables? Uh, by 14th overall, do you think any of those, could all three of those guys potentially be even be gone? I think that's kind of the sweet spot for all these guys from that 10 to 25 range as far as those top four or five guys and not just those three. Anton Harrison from Oklahoma is another interesting name. Darnell Wright from Tennessee. So this class is very similar to what we talked about with wide receiver of where there's no bona fide number one guy as far as it's going to step in and be a blindside protector for 10 plus years. But Skaronsky, I think he's the best of the group as far as from a versatility standpoint. And a lot of people don't know, he actually came to Northwestern as a center. So he initially played center. He moved to guard, and then when Rashawn Slater declared for the draft and ended up going a top 15 to the Chargers, he kicked out the left tackle, and he was so good there. They're like, okay, let's just leave him there and not worry about it. So he has the versatility that you love. You're going to hear about the arm length with him. Is he a guard or a tackle? But it's that's a good problem to have, especially when you're talking about offensive linemen after that. Broderick Jones from Georgia, he's one that I like a lot. I got an opportunity to see him against South Carolina. Looks the part, very athletic, but is a little bit rough around the edges just because he's only started one season. I don't even count his redshirt freshman year of where he started the, the final four games of that year. So 15-game starter, natural as far as a pass protector, but has some improvement to do as a run blocker. He ducks his head quite a bit um, and things of that nature. So he has some improvement to do there. And then Paris Johnson Jr., he has experience at guard, but he just didn't look natural there a season ago. I think he's a left tackle without question. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the order as far as these guys are selected just because talking to some scouts there's some people that like Jones at the top there's some people that like Skaronsky and then Johnson there's others that like Anton Harrison so it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys come off of the board the Patriots tend to 
gravitate towards senior bowl shrine bowl guys yeah. guys with experience that's the one thing that i have a question about with broderick jones who i loved watching but mm-hmm. i'm not he's only got that what 19 starts i think yeah. it is under his belt one of the guys that you mentioned though quickly was darnell wright who we just spoke to here briefly uh up at the podium and he's a senior bowl guy you yeah. know, multi-year starter gets all those boxes checked kind of like skaronsky uh what do you think of him as more of a right tackle i'm sure at the next level but somebody that can come in and start right away uh, I think he's the best right tackle in this draft class. I think it's between him and Dewan Jones, another senior bowl guy yeah. that performed really well that first day. But with Darnell, it's been really fun to just see his story unfold just because big-time recruit, I think he was like top 10 ranked in the country when he came in, was a little bit overweight when he came in, had to slim his body down. But the maturation that he showed from his junior to his senior year was just phenomenal. And he played predominantly right guard during his first two seasons, but the past two years, he kicked outside the right tackle, and he was a little bit rough around the edges. I keep using that that cliche, a little bit rough around the edges as far as his technique, but you see him go against Will Anderson. He was lights out. Great against Brian Brissett in the bowl game. So I think as far as a run blocker, he's NFL ready right now, but what's going to be really interesting to see with him is just his testing numbers. That's something that a lot of people are waiting on with him just because yeah. the biggest question with him is just how athletic he is. But he shows to be plenty athletic on tape. But with scouts, they just want to actually see those numbers to confirm what they saw. Yeah, a lot of our podcast listeners love Dewan Jones that you yeah. mentioned from Ohio State. Just kind of like a Trent Brown almost. Yeah. We're familiar Great with him in uh, New England, of course. Uh, what do you see from him? And uh, you mentioned with right, you know, some foot speed concerns. I think there are some of those with Dewan as well, but he's so long and so big that it, it might not end up yeah. mattering at the next level. Yeah, so I saw Dewan walking around the convention center like two days ago, and I was like, no see. way that guy's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just. I we mean, have every that feeling with Trent in the locker yeah, room a lot. I yeah, bet, yeah, I bet. I bet. I, I mean, like these guys make are, our, our all podium team here in a second. Yeah. When he steps yeah. Up, yeah. Yeah. These guys are just massive, and it's like, man, I see why nobody was able to get around you. But he was a bit of in what I like to call an acquired taste for me. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't a huge fan of him initially, but it's just like, man, he just doesn't get beat. Yeah. And even though it's not pretty, he just gets the job done. And he's not going to be for everybody as far as like zone scheme, man blocking scheme, things like that. But if you're looking somebody for somebody that can just plug and play right now and you're not really worried about his technique initially, I think he's your guy. And with the Patriots, obviously they have a huge need at right tackle or excuse me, at both tackle spots, offensive tackle. Oh, yeah. So and they've had experience with a guy like Trent Brown. So I think them already seeing that type of body type and then with Dewan being so successful at that position and then just his monstrous measurables, I think they're going to be big fans of him. Not necessarily at 14. I think that's way yeah. too early. But if you're talking about day two somewhere. 46. Uh, yeah. Just I before think. we move over to defense really quickly, who's your favorite mid-round or later-round tackle prospect that you could see as a starter down the line in case they miss out on the first wave of guys? So I think this guy can be a guard or a tackle, and it's Tyler Steen from Alabama. I like him a yeah. lot. He played his first three years at Vanderbilt, and then he stayed in conference and transferred excuse me, to Alabama, and I thought he played really well there. Another player that, you know, he has some cleaning up to do as far as his technique, but as far as the athleticism and just the mentality that he plays with, he has that from day one. Bill O'Brien connection. There you go. We just talked to him earlier, and and Tamara's texting me right now. She's very excited that we're talking to you. So (laughs) she's like, I was going to interview him Monday, but I guess we we, we cut (laughs) her off. Too bad. (laughs) So turning the page to to the guys we watched last night, the cornerback. And that's another big position to need for the Patriots. Jonathan Jones is a free agent. Um, You know, they have some size issues. It's just they've drafted Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, not the biggest guys. Um, Last night, I think we were all blown away by this this 
group, I know you said it's kind of a eh, class overall, but in terms of a year to need a cornerback, maybe two, yeah. it seems like this is a pretty good year. There's a lot of options. And this was one of the positions that a lot of people hyped up, including myself, coming into the event, but I thought they lived up to the hype. I mean, this cornerback class, just watching those guys move around in the stadium yesterday, from start to finish, they were phenomenal. And, I mean, I think – I was talking to some people yesterday. I think we could see as many as 15 go inside the top three rounds, which would be a record number. So if I was the Patriots, I would even consider double dipping. I think that yesterday. I think that I think this class is that special. Yeah, I, I, the one guy that obviously you're not going to say Jacorian Bennett because he's running right there on yeah, the TV yeah. behind no, Jordan. He was he's sneaky though. I got to put him on my yeah. list. I didn't I didn't know that he had that kind of speed. I, the one guy that is the other Maryland corner actually. Yeah. So I, who I was going to bring up, Deontay Banks is my draft crush. I I just watching him against Ohio State, and I felt like he was one of the only corners that I watched consistently hang with Marvin Harrison Jr. and not just get completely yeah. blown off the field. Oh, yeah. No offense, Keely Ringo. Uh, <laughs> so I thought that you know he was somebody that really stood out. We know about the first-round guys, you know, Gonzalez, Porter Jr., Witherspoon. Uh, but what do you see in Banks? Because, uh, as Mike mentioned, some size, some physicality is something the Patriots could use on the outside. So funny story about Banks. I was talking to my colleague Mel Kuyper back in, this was in like October, and he was like, hey, Maryland has this corner that I think is really special. And we was like, no way, Mel. You're just hyping this guy up like you always do. He's like, his name is Deontay <laughs> Banks. And he was like, I think he could be a top 15 pick. So come to find out, here we are now. Mel right. was right. So just seeing Deontay and just his ascension throughout the year, it's been great. He has the size, as you mentioned. He came in, I think, six foot, like 197 or yeah. 198 pounds, so a big corner. Goes out and runs 4-3, which is great for him. And I thought he looked very fluid in the drills, too. And he's one of the few guys that I think can play man or zone in, in this class. And, you know, he does have some troubles finding the ball in the air. I think that's something that he does need to clean up. Um, but as far as just being NFL ready right now, I think he's that. But the great thing about him is that if he doesn't work out a corner, I think he can slide him back in the back end and play safety, too. I think he has that type of versatility. So if you want him, you're probably going to have to take him at 14 if the Patriots want him, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's where it's trending because I sort of had him at uh, – they have the 46th pick in the second round. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that maybe that would be a spot that they could nope, get him. No Not anymore. <laughs> no right? And I just watching him against Ohio State, and uh, he had this jam where it was almost like he was a gunner on I know punch. exactly which one you're talking about. He literally about. couldn't, the guy couldn't get off the line. He yeah. was like trying to dance around him and he was he just was, like. He, he literally pushed him off the screen. Yeah. It, it was, was at the, it was, I think he was flexed out to the right yeah. side and he just pushed him off the yeah. screen. I was amazed by it. And him. I just, as a team that runs so much press man for yeah. like the Patriots, I was like, oh yeah, like yeah. Give, me, give me some of that. <laughs> All right, uh, go to the first round guys though. Cause uh, I think yeah, just, get, you know, that last one, just a general and, 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 you know, 14th overall, we talked about kind of the three main positions, but just, you know, for you, how do you kind of see things playing out and, and who do you think might make sense there at the 14th overall pick for the Patriots? I think it's a good spot for offensive tackle just because I think there's a bit of a drop off after that, that second round range. I think there's a precipitous drop off there. So I will look for offensive tackle just because I think this cornerback class is so deep. I don't think you need to take one so early. I think you could take one in round two or round three and be just fine. So one of Skaronsky, Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones, and then coming back in the second round and getting one of those corners. As much as I want Banks, uh, I think that you're right, though, about the corners. At this point, watching these guys yesterday, the Patriots could probably pluck one in the second or the third round, and it'll be a system fit, and it'll work out for them. I wanted to ask you, are we done with the first round, guys? Can we go to the – I'm sure you were at the Shrine Bowl at least for a time yeah. period, and uh, the Patriots obviously coached out there in Vegas. Who were some of the guys that stood out to you on day three, maybe a little bit yeah. later in the draft at the Shrine Bowl? Because they're going to take like six guys from the Shrine Bowl, so <laughs> I'm just waiting for that. 
So there's one guy that I absolutely love, and I'm surprised he's not getting more attention. So his name is Lance Boykin from Coastal Carolina, and he was terrific yesterday. And he's he's not super fast. He ran in low four fives, I think, yesterday. But every bit of six foot one, 200 pounds, and he was terrific at the East West Shrine. He actually was on the Patriots squad, I believe, at East West Shrine. So they got an up close and personal look at him. Was terrific at Coastal Carolina. I think he had four interceptions last year. So Lance Boykin from Coastal Carolina, he's like my deep sleeper in this class. He, he's been terrific throughout the pre-draft process. I like it. Anything else, Evan, before we let him go? I'm trying to think. I, there's obviously a bunch of Shrine Bowl guys that I could rattle off right now and ask you about, but I think the one guy that really stood out uh, to me and my, my podcast co-host Alex Barth out there was Keechel Clark yeah. from Louisville, who yeah. had just like a great week out in Vegas. He's maybe a little bit more undersized for what the Patriots would want in this class just because of the Joneses and things like that they already mm -hmm. have on the team, but what did you think of his week out there? One of my favorites. I mean, especially as a nickel corner, you want to see those guys have infectious energy just because I think half the battle is especially at cornerback entering the league, is confidence. You're guarding some of the best athletes in the world. You're moving backwards while they're moving forwards. So you have to have that type of confidence and swagger entering the league. Like, I think all the top corners in the league have it. You think of a Jalen Ramsey or a Jair Alexander, those guys that, you know, chirp back at those guys, but they back it up with their play. And Keytrail, he had a fantastic week. I thought he was one of the top five best players there, regardless yeah. of position. He has the production that you look for, plenty of interceptions. Played outside predominantly, but I think he's probably going to have to be a nickel on the next level. But I think he's going to be a day one starter for someone. Okay, very last one for you, and I'll let you go. <laughs> we could do this all D day. DTR. <laughs> yeah. Because he was with the Patriots at the Shrine. They seemed to really like him. I think he threw the ball really well. And – they might need another quarterback in that room that has a little bit more athletic upside and can run a little bit mm -hmm. more than the two guys that they have with Mack and Bailey Zappi. There's a report this morning that they're probably going to let Brian Hoyer, uh, release Brian Hoyer at the start of the league year. So looking at those two guys, DTR would be a nice kind of different type of prospect yeah. to add to that room. And it's funny you mentioned that just because one of my biggest takeaways that I'll never forget about the East West Shrine was actually – so I think they were doing like a special teams period during the Patriots practice at the East West Shrine. DTR, Coach O'Brien, and Coach Belichick were going through a progression that he had messed up on, and I'm just standing beside, behind him. I'm a former quarterback, so I'm eating stuff up like that, <laughs> just hearing them go through it and how quickly he was able to pick it up and how he messed up about it. So that was really interesting to hear. But as far as just DTR, the player, I thought he was much better last year compared to his previous three seasons. And he's my favorite developmental quarterback. Him and Jake Hayner from Fresno State, those are my two yeah. favorite developmental quarterbacks of this bunch. But – I think he could probably go fourth or fifth round. I think that's probably the sweet spot for him. But as far as a developmental guy that has the mobility that you're looking for, that's really required of young quarterbacks now, I think DTR would be a good bet. Absolutely. Awesome stuff. Well, hey, Jordan Reed, thank you so much for joining us. It's, give him a follow at Jordan underscore Reed on Twitter. And uh, I guess maybe this is the start of a beautiful relationship. We'll be back here <laughs> next year. I mean, it's so funny listening to you, though, you know, talk about Mel Kuyper. And it's like you're, you're the young rising star. Yeah. I mean, we've all been watching those guys yeah. forever. And, and so now I feel like, you know, we're, we, we got an in with, with the new guy. So it's great. Absolutely. Thanks, TB. Thank you, guys, as always. All right, we're back to put a bow on it here in Indy. Evan, what are your, your final thoughts, your one big takeaway from this, uh, this 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 week we've been here in Indy? I don't know, have you ever been here for this full thing? This is the first time I've been here for the whole thing. And, and yes, I'm a little bit tired, but, man, I just I feel like I'm going back to Foxborough with so much, you know, knowledge and insight to, to share with the fans and, you know, hopefully get everybody ready for what should be, you know, an outstanding draft. you got 11 picks. We know what they need. It's, it's a big draft, and, and I'm really excited coming out of here about it. My very first combine, I was here the whole 
whole time. I actually flew out with the Patriots scouting department <laughs> on the last plane from Indy to Boston on the last day of the combine. So I have been here the whole time before, but I think what's really cool for me in this draft process is I went to the Shrine Bowl, was out there for the week of practices at the Shrine Bowl, and then I came here. I, I know this draft better than probably most drafts that I've ever covered because yeah. of that. So I got the, you know, no, no offense to the Shrine Bowl. <laughs> I got the day three covered with the Shrine Bowl. Now I feel like I came here and focused a little bit more on the top 50 guys and got to know some of the guys they might pick in the first round. So it's been a lot of fun. It has been, and we're I'm certainly basically a draft reporter. Now. Uh, uh, and, and we're not done yet either. And then you're listening to this podcast. We're recording it here on Saturday, but we have you know plenty of leftover content that we're just going to be plowing through over the next few days. It'll be written. It'll be video. We got a lot in the pipeline that that is still to come. Um, but the main part of it for us is over. We have some testing that'll you know maybe color some of of our opinions and and uh, insight as well. But overall, that this is going to do it for us. It's a little bit sad, but we got to pack up. We're heading back to Boston, and of course, we want to thank you guys for you know listening to these, all your comments have been great we really appreciate it and uh hey let's put a wrap on indie 2023 we'll see you back in foxborough it was fun